politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow human beings and American patriots to the one and only CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Tuesday, July 12th. And yes, we welcome human beings because we are truly all in this together. It's not even about a fight for nationhood. This is a battle between every ruling elite in every Western country versus the people. It's that simple. When I try to sum up everything, you know, the economy, society, the family, borders, crime, medical freedom, all of it, which one's more important? Okay? And the reality is, it all stems from one thing, transhumanism. That is what we're up against. You either get it or you don't. And 95% of Republicans don't get it. But we're going to have to make them get it. Today we're going to have another special interview with Dr. Robert Malone. Yesterday we had Dr. Peter McCullough. Uh, Robert Malone is really one of my favorites um, because he gets it on a political level as well as a medical level. So we're going to be talking about this technological grooming, the new normal, technological grooming and transhumanism. I want to start off today with an article out of the Star Tribune in Minneapolis. Random article. But I'll just say this is coming at a time when they're announcing an extension of that public health emergency on Friday. They suddenly came up with this narrative of you need a fourth shot immediately after Fauci says that that's what saved him, although he says it's the Paxlovid that saved him. They're obsessively pushing Paxlovid. They're obsessively pushing this BA5 uh, variant. As I warned months ago, when all my colleagues were like, oh, Daniel, COVID's over with. I said, it's not an off-ramp. It's a tunnel. It's more subtle, but they're going inexorably with the same speed towards their goal. Because it's not about COVID so much in, in itself. It's about transhumanism. COVID is one of the means. Medical fr- tyranny is one of the means, maybe the most potent, of achieving that. But it's not just viruses, although there will be more. It's not just medicine. It's everything. This was the means of a great reset, of acculturating, grooming people to a new normal that you don't have to interact with humans. You're going to rely on new technology. New technology. This is how we live now. Here's the article I want to start with, and and I want to go through a few examples of this. Again, from the Star Tribune. This is last week. Pepper. That's the name of a robot. The robot is programmed with hundreds of jokes. And if you don't believe it, just ask her. The residents of the estate's nursing home in Roseville, Rossville, sure did as the robot made its national debut as a personal care assistant. Do you want to hear more jokes, the robot asked? Yes, the semicircle of elderly adults replied. I went on a date with Roomba last week, the robot said. It totally sucked. Good thing the upright four-foot-high robot isn't giving up its day job, which from here on will be to interact with residents, remind them to eat and exercise, and react to their facial expressions or tone of voice. Pepper is one of the two robots introduced at the nursing home by researchers from University of Minnesota Duluth, along with a two-foot-high robot called Now, designed to lead residents in group exercises and dance routines. The goal is to provide technological support to a nursing home industry that is seeing more residents and more complex cases of dementia at a time when it is losing staff and expertise. If we don't look for alternative solutions and think outside the box, our elders will suffer, Khan said. That's uh, the computer science professor at UMD. UMD researchers have been preparing for years to modify the SoftBank robotics machines for use in nursing homes. But they accelerated the timing amid the pandemic. Isolation protocols to protect highly vulnerable nursing home residents reduced their social interactions, accentuating how robots could make a difference. This is technological grooming, right? It's not just sexual grooming of the, uh, of the youth, but they're doing this to seniors now. 
Don't you like to interact with the robot? This is what they do. They create an arson and then they jump in as the power, as the firefighters, all preordained, all preplanned for their solution, but the solution was the problem all along. They created this isolation where they got them sick, imagine no treatment for COVID or anything, sit there alone, die of dementia. It was disgusting. It was a holocaust what they did. And they did this on purpose. Then they create a staff shortage because they're all sick with the COVID shots. Some didn't want to get it, so they were fired. Others continuously get COVID every five minutes because the shot does that to them. And they have staff shortages, as they have everywhere now. And they're like, okay, you don't need human interactions anymore. We have robots to do it. This is literally the transhumanism agenda, and one of the many ways of how COVID greased the skids for it. Khan, the guy who is in charge of this program, said, humans can spread infection easily. And robots, once you disinfect the robots, you can send them from person to another without the fear of infections. This is disgusting, but I'm telling you, this is the agenda that's creeping in. This is why they did it. They groomed an entire generation to fear, fear a fellow man. And at a time when we're worried with youth being social loners and scared of people and shooting up people, where do you think this comes from? As design, Pepper will indefinitely or independently roam the nursing home and approach residents to see if they have health concerns or need company. Facial recognition software allows the robot to talk with residents by name and even detect their moods. Wristbands on residents send wireless biometric data to the robot, which can then detect when the residents are off their eating or sleeping schedules. Would you like to revisit some of your memories from the past, the robot said Wednesday, giving a demonstration of reminiscence therapy mode? Jeez. This This is just sick. I'm already in a bad mood today. Unbelievable. So, folks, this is not over with. This is the agenda. If you have an elected Republican or your favorite so-called conservative commentator or figure and they are not addressing the broader agenda and they're done with COVID, I'm telling you, it's not just about COVID. It's about every other issue. Everything you're seeing on the economy is also a pandemic a controlled demolition designed to create the problem that enables them to remake humanity in its most literal sense. I mean, who who is this? Uh, let me just find this here. This was from Alicia Powell of Ga- at Gateway Pundit. Very timely article. She notes that there's a 2009 op-ed published by the UN, which is now removed from its website, it heralded hunger as the foundation of wealth. It basically, um, it was written by George Kent, professor, University of Hawaii's political science department. And it was designed to groom people into that hungers are a good thing. We sometimes talk about hunger in the world as if it were a Scrooge that all of us want to see abolished, viewing it as comparable with the plague or AIDS. But that naive view prevents us from coming to grips with what causes and sustains hunger. Hunger has great positive value to many people. Indeed, it is fundamental to the working of the world's economy. Hungry people are the most productive people, especially where there is need for manual labor. Without the threat of hunger, essential low-paying jobs would become vacant. A labor shortage would, would emerge. So she she makes note of the fact that this was taken off their website. Again, Alicia uh, Powell at Gateway Pundit. Very, very timely. Very important. So if you don't think this was planned, just like the pandemic, you're missing it. Okay? I mean, this whole thing that all the prices go up, all the shortages, the entire Ukraine thing, it's so bizarre what happened there. We don't even know what's going on there. It was like the biggest story for a week or two, and now it's dead. And no one's asking, what happened to our $50 billion? What happened to the world's so-called isolation of Russia? They seem to be doing better than anyone else now. This was all 
pre-planned. Kent says, for those of us at the high end of the social ladder, ending hunger globally would be a disaster. If there were no hunger in the world, who would plow the fields? Who would harvest our vegetables? Who would work in their rendering plants? Who would clean our toilets? We would have to produce our own food and clean our toilets. No wonder people at the high end are not rushing to solve the hunger problem. For many of us, hunger is not a problem, but an asset. See, we could think these are just psychopaths, but th this is the mentality that is running the world. And if it's not embedded in most of the politicians, which it might be, it's embedded in the institutions that convince the politicians at any given moment what to do. All the think tanks, all the media, and all these people, they start planting these articles. It's like, I, I did an article today, I did a column, it's at a conservative review, and by the way, you could always find my columns either at the Blaze or Conservative Review. The COVID ones will usually be at Conservative Review. 20 different things I gathered, and there's more than that, but I just picked 20 different uh, things that are being blamed for the sudden blood clots and strokes and heart attacks among young people, like alarm clocks, cold weather, hot weather, too much TV, too much exercise, too little exercise. That's how they groom people into accepting a new normal and not to question it. They create the problem first, and they're like, oh, yeah, 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 this is, this is what's going on. They make it normal. Oh, yeah, of course there's a hunger. Of course people dropping dead young. Of course you need boosters every few months. This is what it's all about. Didn't you know? There is something much greater going on here. Now, by the way, if you don't want to support the transhumanists, stop giving your money to Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile who spy on you anyway for wireless service, use America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They're passionate about free speech and your constitutional rights. Patriot Mobile, they offer the same nationwide coverage as your major carriers, so you're not even sacrificing in order to do the right thing here. Great service plus peace of mind that your money is combating the left rather than funding transhumanism. And Patriot Mobile has plans that fit your budget. They have an exceptional English-speaking, America-based customer support team. So go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code CR. Veterans and first responders save even more because they love our values. Again, go to patriotmobile.com slash CR. Call 972-PATRIOT. It's time you support companies that love America, love you, love your values, love constitutional rights, sanctity of life, and our veterans and first responders. So one other point I wanted to uh, talk about before we bring on Malone here. Um, and this is just, again, about the grooming and how this is not over with. This is from the Daily Skeptic. Government considered tearing COVID-positive people from their homes, minister admits. This is in the UK. Boris Johnson loyalist Nadine Doris appear to have admitted that the government, which now prides itself on having imposed restrictions more lightly than others, <laughs> considered tearing mothers and fathers and families and children from their homes if they tested positive for COVID during the lockdowns. Um, and she said, the British public will not stand for mothers and fathers and families being removed from their family, put into isolation. He said, so someone asked, who said they won't? I said, the Behavior and Insights team whom I've discussed it with, they won't wear it. The Behavior and Insights team. Okay? The Behavior and Insights team. Boy, does this sound like 1984. So, folks, this was Boris Johnson. He was, remember, the big populist savior, and he turned out to be an animal. And this is what they were doing. The point being, and I'm going to drum this in for the rest of the year, this point, we have not deracinated the immoral and illogical premise behind COVID fascism. They might have stopped certain things in the meantime, but the notion that they feel that they have a scientific rationale, a moral rationale, a legal prerogative 
to declare an emergency, be it public health or any other thing, and quite literally do anything they want to your bodies, your parental control, your property rights, your human rights, your dignity. That is still in place, and they are still pushing on that gas pedal. We have not, we're not done with this. I'm just warning you. After everything we suffered for so long, it took so long to get this out. And even then, you look at what they're saying about masks and even lockdowns, but certainly the shots and the masks, they are not done with it. They are not done with foisting bioweapons on us, be it Paxlovid, be it Remdesivir. There's more stuff there, more boosters. This is not done with. So I just want you guys to understand this is about technological grooming, acculturating us to a new normal, constantly greasing the skids, kind of like a, an air attack before you come in with the ground force. You prep everyone. Yeah, you know, this is how it is. There's going to be a lot of hunger. There's going to be a lot of diseases. This is kind of, you know, the era we live in, the era of pandemics, the era of hunger, the era of supply shortages, the era of inflation. These are the sacrifices you have to do. And, you know, this, is, this kind of happens. You know, young people die anyway from blood clots because of caffeine and sleeping, too little sleep, too much sleep, too much cold, too, li- too much warmth global warming, but cold spells during the during the global warming. You know, it just kind of happens all the time. If you watch carefully, that's what they're doing. It's no different than the tranny grooming. This is what it's all about. So one of the most terrific aspects of the last two and a half years of this democide, this miserable time we're living in, perhaps the only positive ancillary benefit is the fact that I have gained so many terrific friends. And as you all know, and I express this openly, it's been a lonely fight. Those of you who were with me long before COVID, the original people, know I was always a lonely, independent, conservative voice. I I was never one to row with the ships. I always felt the conservative movement was vacuous. The Republican Party certainly was a joke. And I felt they never focused on the right issues in the right way at the right right time. It was all about the soap opera. Then came along this issue, and we've put together a movement that's neither right, right nor left, but actually just straight up on target. The right medicine for the right time addressing the right issues. And it's a collection of people, and they mean business, and they're smart, they're insightful, and they're impactful. Uh, unlike all these other people. And Dr. Robert Malone, who doesn't really need much of an introduction to you guys, he really embodies this because as much as we count on his insights for science and medicine, but the virus, the vaccine, things like that, he's actually just as, as good, if not better, on the politics behind this. It's funny, he actually became famous on Joe Rogan's show for talking about mass psychosis formation, diagnosing more the social aspect, the political aspect of this. And I actually think he is a future in politics. But before we bring him on, I want to say this. If you are not following his Substack, forget it. You, you're in the dark. You have no idea what's going on. So just you know, look it up, Robert W. Malone on Substack. Very easy to find. Uh, you, you'll get it in your email box every day, sometimes multiple times. He has a very important Substack out that we're going to talk about today. But again, it's not just the the kind of COVID uh, medical stuff. The political insights on some other issues is phenomenal. Uh, I think he has a new career uh, in politics as well. Dr. Malone, it's been way too long. Thanks so much for joining us today on Blaze Media. My pleasure, and I hope to be down in Dallas and do something live with you guys soon, um, maybe as a book booster. Hey, one little tiny thing, just to pump uh, myself, it's rwmalonemd.substack.com is the URL um, for those that want to follow along. And the particular one we're going to reference today is called Update Regarding Omicron BA.5. So this is a slide deck that I put together for Daniel's show today. He's got the first on it, and then I think there's going to be others covering it. So I'm, I'm really excited about uh, the opportunity here to talk to you all and uh, to chat with my good friend again. 
Yes, yeah, so I have this in front of me, and I'm going to follow along. You guys click on the latest Substack, follow along the fear porn news cycle. Um, this is really good for what we're talking about today. Uh, what I like about you is sometimes scientists are too narrow-minded, and they focus on the science. But the reason why I've been so on target the last two and a half years I've actually always done bed in school in science. I don't know science very well, but I know political science, and that's where this is coming from. And you watch this gradual grooming of new trends, new obsessions, and out of nowhere, new boosters. They announced they have fourth booster. Fauci starts saying, man, you know, I would have been dead if not for those four boosters, but then also Paxlovid, but then also the boosters. So it's kind of like a hybrid. Where is that? Where is this coming from? And where is this headed? Good question. Um, and I think you're talking about the big picture down to the science wonky stuff. Um, and uh, thanks for the for the boost and the pump uh, in your lead in. I've always been fascinated with political science. I've always felt that it was necessary to understand the way the world worked. And uh, probably my biggest deficit is economics, but I'm trying to come up to speed. And I'm I'm fortunate in in paradoxically being surrounded by some fantastic uh, conservative leaders right in this local area where I happen to live. I don't know why they all have clustered here in uh, the Shenandoah Valley near the birthplace of America and the homes of, of Jefferson and Madison, but they have. Um, so, uh, you know, I spent the weekend hanging out with two very senior lawyers uh, that worked the D.C. circuit on the conservative side and uh, Matt Mercedes Schlapp, uh, notable for CPAC. So I'm, I'm, uh, this isn't in a vacuum, and I'm not figuring it all out myself. I want to make that clear. I try really hard to listen to smart people like yourself and, and learn from them and uh, try to integrate what they teach me into my bigger perspective, which in this case, I'm kind of torn. There's three main variables, I think, that are the main drivers here, I've come to conclude. One, of course, is the WEF, the World Economic Forum, and all of the nefarious activities that they're embroiled in. You were just talking about the transhumanism agenda. Um, they're uh, wrapping up in their thinking this uh, current uh, industrial revolution, which is the um, uh, maturation of uh, silicon and digital technology, artificial intelligence, etc., and its impact, and robotics and its impact on labor. The fact that we really don't need this much labor anymore, that's what gives rise to Henry Kissinger's famous quote about useless eaters. Um, or, uh, and, of course, then we have the various books uh, from Klaus Schwab, not the least of which is COVID-19, The Great Reset. Um, I'm, I'm increasingly persuaded that although these folks have been a very dark influence uh, it is totally based on uh, a hybrid of utilitarianism and Marxism with a, a large dose of corporatism thrown in, um, that things are not going well for the globalists at this point. Um, and there's many that are predicting that Europe is, is really kind of coming apart at the seams under the pressure of uh, these ill-fated uh, foreign adventures in um, the Ukraine and the consequences. Uh, there's multiple European states that are teetering on the edge of default. And if that happens, it's gonna take down a whole cascade. And we're gonna say uh, the Great Recession of 07 and 08 looked like child's play. There's also the projection because of the ESG scores, um, environmental social governance score system that's being weaponized against us politically economically, in farming, as you see with the protests in the Netherlands and now in Germany, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this is what's shutting down oil production in the United States. Uh, and um, there are those who believe that we're going to see famine, significant famine in over a billion people worldwide over the next year as a consequence of these ill-fated and, and poorly vetted uh, ESG score policies that have been implemented. Um, but so, so uh, I think that the, that the globalism, the globalists um, are running into some real problems. Sri Lanka is just the um, 
the canary in the coal mine. Uh, so then what do you fall back on? Well, maybe there's a strong component here of kind of an emergent phenomena that we've been experiencing consequent to a bunch of different things. And one of the things that I'm pretty sure is a major contributor is the um, what we call the administrative state here in the United States. The, the senior executive service has uh, really captured the executive branch. And the light at the end of the tunnel, the little tiny sparkle of hope, is these recent court cases coming down from the Supreme Court uh, that are really focused on constraining the administrative state. It's important to recognize that the two justices that were uh, appointed under Trump were selected because of their core competencies in administrative law. I think we got to give Mr. Trump a lot of credit for his administration in so many different ways that I certainly didn't appreciate at the time. Uh, maybe maybe others did, mm-hmm. but even the lawyers that I talked to, I think, were not completely tuned into the impact of the Schedule F strategy that he tried to implement to rein in the administrative state and the SES, and uh, and the importance of these Supreme Court uh, appointments, not in the sense of abortion. I think that's really kind of uh, um, something that's it's very noisy, it's very contentious. It's very distracting. Yeah. But underneath that is the CO2 uh, West Virginia case. Yes. There's a number of other the, cases. The, coming the very through. last day of the Supreme Court session that got overshadowed. Yeah. But but um, we're this. I I'm hopeful that this Supreme Court is ready and able to take on the administrative state that's been building for um, over 100 years. It is now turned into a monster. So, so to and tie it, into your 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 slide, because I want to get to that. Are you saying that you feel that they are concerned they're losing control? That the mass psychosis formation among the people is ebbing? You know, we're seeing the baby shots. Thank God, seem to be a bust. Very few people are getting them. Is that why you see them rejuvenating a new grooming news cycle? of fear mongering with a variant and I don't I don't know that they I my personal bias is that the executive branch is so caught up in their own bubble their own uh mass formation phenomena that they're not really completely attuned to what's going on in the world I know I I that with this latest push this latest round of fear porn you know we're still they, they, the fortunately, we managed to put a stake into the heart, mostly of the monkeypox effort. Uh, we still haven't resolved whether or not that was engineered. Um, and there's some curious findings now that Merrill Nass has pulled out that show that uh, somebody in the government acting through the FDA pushed Bavarian Nordic to include monkeypox in the indication for their uh, smallpox vaccine as of 2019. So there's wow. a lot of evidence that there's been um, a lot of planning going on here about monkeypox also. Well, um, they're, they're guaranteeing us that there's going to be more, and last decade I never took it seriously, but now I think we should. Well, you know, the I, I just, I'm going to be blunt uh, because this is your show and uh, I don't have to take responsibility for it. Um, the the easy way to shut down monkeypox is those that are at high risk um, in uh, associated with contact, et cetera, with uh, infected individuals need to, uh, let's say, gently abstain from intercourse <laughs> for about 30 days. And this all goes poof. It, um, isn't it funny, is not- Dr. Malone, how they were willing to without due process, say every human being indefinitely, no matter who, no matter what, is suspect. You have to wear a mask when you're two years old. No evidentiary standards for what you're doing, that it even works, um, based on stopping the spread of something that was not a quarantinable virus. Yet, when we have something that is the epitome of a quarantinable virus, it's pretty much associated with one sort of activity. Yet, somehow, you know, because we were told... Basically, in a politically protected class. Exactly. And it demonstrates that it's not even about a maniacal obsession with 
pandemics and public health, it's all about a hierarchy of an agenda. And so when two of them run headwinds into each other, they have to, you know, have a certain hierarchy to determine, you know, it's kind of, to me, it's a similar thing with, we had the worst lockdown in American history. And then right afterwards, we had the most ubiquitous social gatherings with BLM and then the largest border invasion of all time. Um, and that's yeah. bringing in from the globe. That's and that your, was okay. The, the laundry list of stuff that doesn't make sense from a public health perspective is enormous. The long, if you take that same list that makes no sense in public health and you map it into the economic state and uh, the need for control um, and uh, these various agendas having to do with implementing uh, tracking financial controls, data gathering, etc., then all those things that don't make sense suddenly make sense. And so it's really hard uh, as somebody who is grounded in a, a hypothesis-driven um, frame of reference for making sense out of the world, it, you can't get there if you uh, the data are just not consistent with the behavior being driven by public health. And they do happen to be consistent with the data being driven by power, control, information gathering, um, uh, utilitarian optimization, uh, requiring massive amounts of data, um, and, uh, and these uh, various other agendas like centralized digital currency. It all fits with that. In any case, getting to the, the latest uh, little burst of fear porn, um, we have this problem of the BA.5 subvariant. And headlines in the Wall Street Journal, hopes of COVID-19 reprieve fade as BA5 subvariant takes over. And then you kindly referenced my own substack, Ninja, which is the slang name that they've given it, Omicron BA.5 COVID fear porn, where I go through what's happening in the fear porn news cycle, where uh, in this case, Eric Topol of Scripps posted on July 7th a graph that he had got from a private data set that he has access to, which is a diagnostics data set. So he's looking at, um, uh, you know, incidents of, of infection and COVID hospitalizations being up. That was immediately turned into a, a full-on fear porn uh, piece by Daily Beast with the title, This New Ninja COVID Variant is the Most Dangerous One Yet. Woo, 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 you should be scared. So um, I took today the time to go back and pull up uh, our world in data. That's the data source that I'm using. So this is a global integrated database pulling from multiple sources of information. And I ran some plots that you can follow along if you've linked to this substack called Update Regarding Omicron BA.5. And uh, on slide three, you'll see the daily confirmed COVID-19 cases and deaths on the same graph. And notice that I put it on a log scale because the cases are way more than the number of deaths. And so the only way you can see them both on the same scale is mm. to put it on a log uh, axis. So that's what that's about. And what you're looking at is this last little wave out here at the end. This, this is giving us a, a whole display since the January 23rd. Um, of 2020, and you just want to look at this little end bump. And what you can see is, yeah, we're seeing a little bit of a climb in cases. Globally, we're seeing a decline in cases. And I've thrown a line across there at uh, the log graph of 100, just so you can uh, kind of orient yourself with these other following graphs. Now, if you go to the next one, slide four, this is the same data set for, for South Africa. South Africa has already pretty much had their Delta uh, BA5 wave. And what you see is the case count go, went up and then it's dropped down. That's the upper line. And then the lower line is, remember, South Africa is not very vaccinated. And those that are asserted to be vaccinated, there was a lot of, uh, um, let's say, uh, surreptitious vaccine cards administered or, or distributed that, you know, people didn't actually get the jab. So also a lot, a lot of, of AIDS there, lots of immune, immune deficiency. That's true enough. Um, so, uh, um, so there you see 
the uh, cases have dropped and the deaths have dropped in South Africa from BA5. Then you go on to Portugal. Uh-oh. Portugal wow. is highly, highly vaccinated. Okay? And there you see pretty much concordance between what's going on with the uh, Omicron 0.5 surge and the daily deaths. Okay, this is worrisome. Uh, and it's very different from the pattern that we saw overall for worldwide. Um, so uh, Portugal is a little bit of another one of those canary in the coal mines. Now, I didn't include the graph for Haiti, which is another one. And the odd thing about Haiti, the numbers are low, but uh, the deaths are almost non-existent. Haiti has one of the lowest mortality rates in the world right now. Um, some speculate that's because they're all on chloroquine mm. uh, uh, for their malaria. Um, plus, they're all—they're not fat. Um, not a lot of diabetes in Haiti. And also, uh, there wasn't a lot of magic juice uh, <laughs> that was. Um, yeah, yeah, they're—they're they're hardly vaccinated at all. Because one of the things when you bring up Portugal, and I think the same thing applies to all the Pacific Rim countries right now. I believe New Zealand, as of today, has the highest case rate per capita in the entire yep. world. And what I found fascinating is, and you could do this for Taiwan, you could do it for South Korea, all those Pacific Rim countries, they did really good for a long time. They barely had deaths. And, and that includes, by the way, Delta, which was just pure hell. And and, and they still, they, they just didn't seem to have a problem. They have, um, I'm trying to remember... Offhand, New Zealand has about 645 deaths. About 1,600 of them occurred after December, which is Omicron, the least pathogenic, yep. after they all had, you know, n not just the we're, vaccines we're were available, yeah. but the boosters. What in the world? Yeah, so let's, well, let's answer that question. Okay, so now on slide six, we look at U USA, USA, that'd be you and me. Um, and uh, here, again, uh, we're seeing um, uh, results that are a little bit worrisome. And remember that baseline. This, again, emphasis. If you looked at slide five, look at that baseline at 100. Even Portugal in their highly jabbed state is doing a lot better than the United States and has all the way through the outbreak. The United States has one of the worst outcomes of any country in the world. Yep. Um, thank you, Tony Fauci. Uh, and, and remdesivir and, and all of the other lovely things that the uh, HHS system has brought us. Um, so we're not seeing that drop. We're seeing a plateau in daily deaths in the United States. So the Eric Topol hype about, oh, my God, uh, deaths have gone up 15 percent or whatever, that was kind of a statistical blip on a particular day that he was looking at. It's really bad on him. He didn't. He should have looked at more data sets and just the proprietary one that he had access to. Now, slide seven, Israel. I want to be fair and balanced here. Yeah. Israel is super highly jabbed, much like Portugal, although there are islands, uh, pockets of population that aren't so much. Um, and here, it, you'll notice in Israel, of course, they're well below that baseline that we're well above. And uh, they are absolutely seeing Omicron uh, BA5 still coming up. Uh, maybe it's starting to peak a little bit. And their deaths are pretty well flatlined. So yep. they're not bumping up in the same way. Good on them. But but to uh, me, but the, the pattern I'm seeing from what you're presenting is that, so the shots certainly don't work. And certainly, you know, it seems like the more you inject, the more you infect. But as far as deaths and hospitalizations, what it seems to me is that it depends. If you're a country like Israel, because the shots didn't work, they already had so much COVID there. So by hook or by crook, most have natural immunity. So, and this is a whole nother discussion. Maybe you could still continuously get it if you got the shots. Maybe it messed up your T cells. Well, Who knows? It, it may be that they're better at treating. I mean, remember, yeah. early treatment will stop this thing in its tracks. The no, it, it will. It will. United States has been systematically suppressed. But but what I'm seeing is that in the Pacific Rim, the Pacific yeah. Rim, they're having all of their deaths now. And to me, what that just shows is because they barely had anything before. So, you know, they, they didn't have it's natural immunity built up. Yeah, and, 
and now they're getting hit with the immune imprinting without a buildup of natural immunity. So meaning we were told that the best thing to do is to lock down until you have a vaccine. Well, New Zealand and Australia, that's exactly what they did. And yet they're having all of their deaths now. No, it's an excellent point. Um, uh, the, the, just the, the naivete and um, hubris all the way through this thing has been profound. But you referenced now you've segued to immune imprinting. So that's slide eight. Uh, and for most of your audience, this is going to be like uh, we're talking um, from the dark side of the moon. Uh, immune imprinting, just, just, uh, just to get it out, otherwise known as original antigenic sin, is the idea that our immune system develops a bias based on what the, it first encounters in a virus class or a group of closely related pathogens. So the first one in the door uh, gets the most of the response. And I like to say to my friends who were former warriors, uh, you all understand the logic that we're always best prepared to fight the last war. The same thing happens with your immune system. Mm. And it builds up a kind of a imprinted memory of what it thinks the virus looks like. And if the virus evolves to change and escape out of that, like what happens when you vaccinate globally in the face of an epidemic, um, then uh, then you have a problem because the virus will escape that early immune imprinting and learn to circumvent it. And that's exactly what's going on. So this is a lovely, elegant paper from Science Magazine published a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's, it, and there is a slew of other major publications in Cell, Nature, the top journals in the world, Wait. all documenting immune imprinting and its impact here. This is what's going on. That's astounding. And- that, that is astounding that they are recommending a fourth booster today, knowing that this is not just a textbook concern that any vaccinologist should know about, but you're actually seeing it with in real world, real time. It's worse, Daniel, it's worse than that. The, the vaccine that they just, the trivalent vaccine they just spent $3.2 billion on from Pfizer. I'm sure Mr. Boria uh, was heartbroken over that. Um, uh, the vaccine that they just bought, I couldn't have designed one myself any better to further drive immune imprinting. It's a trivalent vaccine with BA.4, which is already gone, BA.5, which will be gone soon. And the original Wuhan one, that's precisely what you would do if you wanted to make the whole immune imprinting process worse. But it's a good idea because they're 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 winning from it. The more you inject, the more you infect, the more you create panic, the more you inject. I mean, it's a perfect. That's another example of this just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, uh, So they're either profoundly ignorant and incompetent. Um, they are evil and nefarious or all of the above, but it's hard to sort out. It's hard to make any sense out of it if you start with the assumption that these people know what they're doing. They're paying attention no. to the data. They're serving the public interest and their primary interest is in protecting public health. It, the behavior just does not fit what the, their actions are. And then this is this is the big one. Talk about the last slide here. Yeah, this is the bataboom slide. Um this dropped from the UK government. We've all been watching it. This isn't like a one-time event. We've been gradually seeing this creep up more and more and more in the Canadian data, particularly coming out of Ottawa, um, uh, and the uh, British data. And uh, we've seen this trend where the highly vaccinated are the ones dying. And then uh, on the day when Boris resigned, the UK government dropped this bombshell showing that uh, um, the vaccinated account for 94% of all COVID-19 deaths since April, 90% of which were triple or quadruple jabbed. Wow. This this is uh, a total bombshell. It's exactly what you'd expect. Um, It, it uh, is a human tragedy. It there, and the nattering nabobs will always say, well, 
the people that are triple and quadruple injected are the ones that are at highest risk. Well, I'm not sure that that's the case. Prove it to me because the data aren't actually being shown. So that's just another uh, hypothesis. And even if that's true, even if you accept that as, let's say, one of the possible explanations, it still doesn't negate the fact that vaccines aren't working. And the ones that are dying are the highly vaccinated. Yeah, it and doesn't work. Have- and it would be bad enough if it was just benign. But I want I know you have a hard out in a few minutes. I want to get to the final point here. But the fact that uh, this thing ain't risk free. There's over 14,000 categories of maladies reported to theirs. Uh, we now have um, over a thousand peer reviewed papers discussing injuries from I mean every part of the body. I want to revisit something. Seven months ago, I asked you, it's been way too long, I asked you what kept you up the most at night from everything we're seeing. And this was a long time ago. A lot, a lot has come out since then. And you said the reproductive health concerns. Where do you stand with that now? Well, we've, as you know, we've had some papers come out about that. And, and there's evidence now that it was attempted to be downplayed, the, the semen uh, count drop uh, in males. Um, but uh, the, it was one of those cases where the paper came out in the headlines from the paper, the abstract, uh, made it sound like the problem was resolving fairly quickly. But when you actually looked in the data, it wasn't. That was just kind of statistical noise. If you looked at the real trends, it looks like it's persisting. Um, the, the CDC flat out denies that there's impacts on female reproductive health. And yet we have clear, unequivocal data supporting major disruption in, uh, in menstruation and a lot of emerging data about childhood birth effects, spontaneous abortions, um, uh, post-delivery uh, effects in the uh, breastfed children. Um, it goes on and on and on. And of course, that feeds into the whole kind of paranoid storyline that I hope isn't true. Uh, it's horrifying to imagine that um, there are those who believe that a depopulation is in the interests of the large economic stakeholders so that we don't have so many useless mouths to feed. But um, again, it's, 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 I think all of us just react um, reflexively with horror. There's no way this is possible. And yet there's all this written literature from these folks uh, you know, speaking, and Mr. Gates is among them, speaking about eugenics and a depopulation agenda as essential. Um, it's, it's really tough. So you ask what keeps me up at night? Um, I kind of feel like I, I have done my best to alert the general population, and particularly parents. And at this point, there are those that are in the mass formation, and I really can't help them. Um, they just don't want to hear from me. Uh, I've been uh, derided and, and um, uh, you know, attacked so much by the press. There's a whole cohort that won't hear me. Um, so I can't reach those. The other ones that I can reach, I pretty much have, uh, and we all are continuing to do it. Um, uh, I think it's, you know, I'm starting to work at the governmental level more uh, in, in hope that we That's might That's where the problem is. I think a lot of people have woken up. I don't think they're excited to get more shots. But, you know, so far I've only succeeded, you know, there's only one governor that has categorically opposed more shots. Uh, Most of these other Republicans are promoting it. Um, Their health departments are promoting it. And they just... They don't realize they're, they're asleep. They think it's over with, or even the better guys think it's over with. But... As you as you could tell, they're stepping on the gas pedal. And until now, I would have thought, yeah, there's crazy people with depopulation, but either they don't have the power or whatever. They don't have the means of doing it. The last two years have changed my mind. We're seeing it in front of our eyes. They are succeeding. And so far, we're not stopping them. There's a lot of things, Daniel, that um, I think we, we, we reflexively shy away from them because they're so horrible. Uh, to confront. Um, For those of us that are grounded in a world of ethics uh, and integrity, we just can't imagine that that 
there could be such evil. Um, and I, Daniel, the thing that my wife and I have been discussing the last couple of days in private has been, um, what if Mr. Biden is compromised? Uh, there's all of this, you know, uh, honey trap activity going on. There's all of the financial activity and interactions both in Ukraine and in China. And, um, and I, I've just been saying to her, you know, it's so sensitive. I don't know what we can say, but I think we have to confront the possibility that our president is compromised uh, by CCP and other financial interests. And then Tucker Carlson dropped this bomb last night. I, I could not, when I watched that thing from Fox News last night, I, I was like, well, thank God he did it. And I had to, didn't have to do it. I think we have to... Um, overcome our fear, our, our in, inherent re, reversion, our, our, our unwillingness to confront the possibility that um, things are actually more advanced than we, we thought. Yes. Um, and that there actually is a, uh, some coordinated activity that is absolutely um, not aligned with the interests of the United States as an independent republic. Uh, there is so much evidence of efforts to compromise the uh, political, uh, financial, um, uh, um, strategic energy, uh, um, business activities. It just goes on and on and on. There's so much of this. And, and, it's hard to account for it as due to incompetence. It certainly is. I know you got a hard out. This has been a magnificent presentation and diagnosis of the problem. Again, not just medical tyranny, but really that's a very large symptom of a broader problem. Next time yep. we'll have you on to discuss some of the solutions, which you have in your Substack as well. RW. Uh, Malone MD on Getter. Again, uh, the Substack as well. Dr. Malone, thanks for what you're doing, and I think at some point you'll have to take this to the next level. <laughs> thanks, Daniel. Well, I'm off to visit a certain local attorney general for a state uh, that is uh, not too far away um, later on today, so perhaps we can talk about this more there. Perfect. All righty. God bless. Take care. So that was Dr. Malone. Again, where are the Republican candidates at any level running on this? You could tell the guy just gets it. This is a guy who voted for Obama. He was, wasn't like this, but once his brain was honed in on this, he's like, oh, so this is what you're doing. It's genocide. It's on purpose. It's a con controlled demolition. You listen to these other Republicans, and even when they get to some of the issues, they'll talk a little bit about crime. They'll talk a little bit about illegal immigration. They'll certainly talk about inflation and gas prices, but it's all in isolation. It's all in the traditional sense as if it's another policy issue. They won't talk about Pfizer and they won't talk about where it's coming from and where the agenda is and what to do about it. I really think he has a future in politics, but anyway, one of the things he mentioned, if you notice monkeypox we now have evidence that they were tampering with this as we well know okay this didn't just come out of nowhere we we're told oh it's once every hundred years you have a pandemic okay really so we have a second one right away no this is a new paradigm that they've been working on this stuff they're gonna unleash it so just just now uh walensky of the cdc she announced today the mayo clinic laboratories will begin to test for monkeypox using cdc's orthopox virus test. This is another step in our comprehensive strategy to combat this disease by further increasing testing capacity. This is, see, too many people are trying to live their lives and they cannot contemplate that there are people that are trying to destroy the world. And if they could contemplate it, they think it's ISIS, they think it's Iran, they think it's North Korea. They cannot understand it's the Western leaders doing this. They're doing it on purpose, and you got to wake up and smell the coffee. Another indication of this, very disturbing, is it is super technical because she's really smart, but Dr. Jessica Rose, immunologist, biologist, um, math mathematician, she has another great substack, un Unacceptable Jessica. 
and she notes that there's a new paper out. No, it was. It's not new. She just says she doesn't understand how she didn't see it. It's on a preprint server, November 2021. Differences in vaccine and SARS-CoV-2 replication-derived mRNA implications for cell biology and future disease. And the paper looks at the differences between the SARS-CoV-2 viral spike and the modified mRNA injection spike and asks the following question. Is the modified spike as even more pathogenic than the SARS spike? And first, the authors note that they couldn't get their paper published. It's extremely meticulous, very well done. And they warn about super antigenic characteristics that were inserted in the spike in this uh, thing. And, and, and again, because at some point you got to be you got to realize it's not a failed vaccine. OK, you can't buy me. It's not warped speed. Okay, it's not, oh, it was a rush jab. You don't find something that has negative efficacy and creates every malady and injury known to man in every corner of the freaking human body. You just don't have that. You can't do that by accident. I didn't realize that at first, but at some point you got to wake up and smell the coffee. And, and the concerns here is that it's a, it's a super antigenic thing to create a hyper-inflammatory reaction. And it's, again, it's a very technical piece. And she notes that basically it was designed to create a massive cytokine storm and things like that. The authors use computational modeling to show that the SARS-CoV-2 spike contains both sequence and structure motifs that look a whole lot like a super antigen, an SEB that might directly bind T-cell receptors. It may form a punitively super antigenic core and may not require the participation of the neighboring amino acids and yeah, I mean it's 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 a, it's a tough thing to go through, but it, it does not look very nicely. And she notice notes that if you look in VARES and you look for toxic shock syndrome or multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children (MISC), <coughs> which are known to be caused by pathogenic super antigens stimulating excessive adaptive immune system activation. So like a bad T-cell response, it's everywhere. There are 509 reports of TSS and MISC in there. So that's super rare. And she notes there's other papers talking about that and that there's a big connection between super antigens and sepsis. There's a lot of infections going on. There are 4,000 entries as of July 8th for sepsis. Again, to trace that back to the shots with all the stigma against the doctors doing it, the threats, that is very impressive. So you know, I mean, that's underreported woefully. The point is, this is not going to end until we expose it and stop it. And we have more elections coming up today. We'll talk about tomorrow. But I'm just going to tell you, if we're at the point where we're going to continue having candidates just run on a panoply of issues, you know what I mean? Like just traditionally, even if they're okay issues, and they're not getting to the bottom of this issue, which is that there's a democide, there's transhumanism, it all ties back into this technology and medicine and everything. By the way, I was wrong about that. There is no... It's, it's, it, I, I was thinking every Tuesday there's a primary. Um, it's next week. Actually, my state of Maryland is next week. Uh, not much of an impactful state. But the point is, we do have other impactful primaries coming up. North Carolina is later this month. And then next month we have Missouri, Kansas, Arizona is going to be a big one. Um, Washington State... 
if um if we don't change this up i'm telling you we are screwed we are utterly utterly screwed okay this is not a drill this is real and you better be forewarned now folks again i'm off of twitter you can find me on getter at daniel underscore horowitz on um telegram at at the covid truth bombs i'm trying to find some sort of more permanent solution i'm still dabbling with things i'll let you know the columns are always going to be a conservative review or the blaze you have to check both because different content goes to different places just strategically to avoid getting fully banned on or deplatforming the blaze so that is there but most importantly i need your support for this show Okay, if you understand that this is unique, independent, conservative talk that you're not going to hear elsewhere, please send this to everyone you know each episode. Be our ambassador to get the truth out. You could be so impactful. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes with a comment. That definitely helps. And look, we have some advertisement opportunities open. Um, We're looking to support only those who share our values Um, I've turned down so many advertisers just because I just didn't feel it was in line with my values. So if you have anything, we have very, uh, very good rates here. Um, It's got to be by, of, and for our own movement. That's the thing. Parallel economies, evacuate, Noah's Ark, national divorce. It all gets back that. We'll have more more exciting guests later this week. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.